your Bibles. Now what I wanted to talk about tonight, I wanted to talk about the family. And uh, well, this is a basic uh, principle that uh, affects us all. And we're going to see tonight from the scriptures that just how important that the family is. Now, <coughs> we, uh, many of us have had the privilege of being brought up in a, in a happy little family group or a happy big family group in the natural sense. Others, of course, have not been so fortunate, maybe because of, uh, of tragedy, maybe uh, people have been orphaned or semi-orphaned, maybe because of uh, breakdown in a marriage situation, the parents are part of company and so on, and the children have uh, uh, not known both parents and certainly not had them living harmoniously in the same household and so on. And uh, there have been other things, that uh, economic circumstances that have uh, made things uh, awkward for people to have what we would consider to be a normal family relationship. And uh, so uh, we want to think a little bit about the natural family unit and uh, we want to think a little bit about the spiritual family unit that the Lord uh, has, speaks of as well. And I'd like to throw something else in too, which I believe as we can look at a few scriptures later on, will show to us where the Lord talks of a, a substitute situation, which um, in the natural sense we would refer to as adoption. Now quite often you have a child that is uh, perhaps not wanted by uh, its parents for some reason or another or maybe the child is wanted but uh, the parents is not able to, uh, to look after the child or considers that uh, perhaps it's a, an unmarried mother or a situation like that where she decides, perhaps it's an agonising decision for her but she decides that the child would be better off with uh, a happy married couple who haven't got any children of their own or uh, would like to have some more and so on and so that child is, is adopted and uh, sometimes the child is even adopted into a, a family uh, in another part of the world and uh, quite a lot of uh, children in our uh, uh, society here have uh, come from another country and uh, uh, in some cases it has been uh, their uh, means of them uh, actually being able to stay alive. They've been uh, living in a situation where they've been suffering from malnutrition and neglect and so on and uh, uh, people are actually, and there are people in our assembly even who have uh, gone to another part of the world because they've wanted to adopt a child and uh, of course the child is brought back here and is very much loved and cared for by the parents. And so we see that the child that was uh, born into an unfortunate situation through no choice of their own and uh, perhaps even with the parents, uh, the circumstances beyond their control that this child uh, has lost out on the opportunity to have a very happy and healthy uh, family environment and the child has been adopted into another family and uh, is cared for and uh, is very precious to the parents. And so uh, we want to consider these uh, three factors, the natural family, the spiritual family and uh, the situation where something is lacking and a substitute uh, development takes place, an adoption and uh, maybe a, a literal adoption or maybe it's just uh, uh, something that's uh, a little different from that, that maybe people, as we look at the whole concept of the family relationship, that it's not only the fact that a little baby 
needs a mum and dad that cares for that child and uh, there are people of course who, who, who cope that, uh, that there are mothers who do cope and it's a tremendous strain upon them because they uh, have to be both mother and father to that child. Sometimes there is a father who uh, has to be uh, both parents to the children and uh, it is done and uh, quite commendable to uh, those who, who uh, achieve uh, a degree of uh, a great success in this area because of circumstances. But in the normal situation, most people find that uh, most parents would find that they would need their partner to help to bring those children up. And then of course there are other situations, not only the tiny baby that needs the relationship with the, with the, with the mother and with the father, whether it be the true natural parents or uh, an adopted uh, situation, maybe a, a stepmother or stepfather or... Uh, or completely adopted parents, but there are other situations later on where uh, there, are, uh, uh, the, there is the need not only of uh, the parents and the children and their relationship, but the child needs to have uh, a, a, a somebody that is their brother or sister, or if they haven't uh, got a brother or sister, they need perhaps to be able to relate to somebody else. They need another child. Perhaps it mightn't be necessarily under the same roof. They might find this relationship uh, with a cousin or with the child that lives next door or uh, uh, maybe uh, the child that they go to kindergarten with or to school or something of this nature. And so uh, I guess what we're getting at is the fact that we all need to feel that we are wanted and cared for by other people. There has to be a give and take sort of a situation and if we happen to be fortunate to have that that natural uh, uh, development there, well, we need to have a substitute. And substitutes can be very successful. And God talks of this. He talks of adoption. He talks of taking the place and of other people taking the place. And even in nature itself, there are times when this becomes quite successful. There are some uh, species of animals on the face of this earth who are very adapted at, uh, at adopting and there are others who, uh, who uh, of course, wouldn't have a bar on it. But, uh, of course, there are some people who are very good at taking on somebody else's responsibilities and uh, relish the opportunity and uh, really find great satisfaction in it, and others are just not able uh, to cope with the challenge and the demands of uh, such, a, such a thing. And so we want to uh, talk about these things in general here tonight. Now, when we uh, talk of a family... The first thing that we need to have in a normal family situation is that we need to have uh, uh, a husband and a wife or a father and a mother for these children. Now this all starts off, um, or it should start off, with uh, a proper relationship between a, a young woman and a young man. And perhaps it's appropriate that we should talk about a few of these things here tonight when we're starting on Saturday with the first of, uh, of many weddings that uh, we're going to see uh, uh, take place in this assembly in the next few weeks. We've had plenty already, of course, but we're going to have plenty more. And as we continue to see the work of the Lord grow and we see a lot of young people coming to the Lord, it's uh, a natural consequence of uh, seeing young people being uh, saved that uh, they're going to uh, start uh, uh, developing relationships and, uh, and weddings are going to take place. Now, this has got to be the basis in the future, if we have the time before the Lord returns, the basis for uh, other family groups to develop. And we're going to look at the scripture. 
And we're going back to the book of Genesis and chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And we read here in verse 18, familiar old story of Adam in the garden. Genesis 2 verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. And this is the principle that God is aware of. He has made us. And uh, I don't think he's suggesting that every man uh, will uh, need to be married. He's not suggesting that every woman will need to be married. But uh, here was Adam there completely on his own. In this garden, no one to have any fellowship with. He had the Lord, of course, that he could walk and talk with him. But even in spite of the fact that he had God with him, God knew that he needed someone else. And so God decided that he would provide a mate for him, or a helpmate. And so he said, I will make an helpmate for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmate for him. Now in a sense he had some pets. He had this, uh, you know, he had a pet lion and a pet tiger. And, uh, you know, as one preacher once heard, he, uh, he sat back there and he thought, now what am I going to call this creature? He saw some great grey uh, monster coming towards him with a great long trunk. He said, I know, I'll call that an elephant because it looks like an elephant. And uh, crazy the thing some preachers bring up. But anyway, that's what he said. So that's how he got the name of an elephant. And so he brought all these creatures and uh, they were gathered around there and he had a pet cat and a pet dog and, uh, and uh, he had a lot of companionship of the animals. He had the Lord with him, but God said he still needs the companionship of one of his own kind. And uh, that's, of course, uh, a thought we're going to bring through a little more here tonight. And so uh, there was not an helpmate for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And she's been ribbing him ever since. And... Uh, <coughs> And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Oh, I shouldn't say this, but I had another preacher once say, he, he said, she shall be called woe man. And, oh, that, you know, I'm going to laugh at that, weird. Because she was taken out of man. And therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And so uh, all jokes aside, that's the best left at one side, falling a bit flat tonight. And so uh, the Lord said that a man would leave his father and his mother and he would cleave unto his wife. Now the word cleave is rather an interesting one. It means to glue to, means to stick together and uh, it means to be a tremendous bond there. And of course this is the point that I want to try and get across tonight is that the Lord intended that a man and his wife should be very, very close together, that they uh, should be as one, and uh, that their relationship should be in the total sphere of their relationship, not ju just through physical attraction, 
but uh, their, um, uh, their communications between each other. They should be able to, uh, to talk things over. They should uh, be able to uh, come to conclusions. They should be able to have a harmonious relationship between each other because this is the basis for a future family. And if the husband and the wife are not going to uh, develop a harmonious relationship, it's a poor foundation. It's a bad example for the children that will come later. And so the Lord emphasised this point right from the start that the husband and his wife, they should uh, neglect uh, every, everyone else. The man should even be prepared to break his ties with his own natural parents, the family that he is, uh, has grown up as a part of. He should be prepared to leave that and to come uh, and to take his interests in becoming involved with this, uh, this woman that he has now uh, become, uh, become his wife. And so uh, the two shall be one and uh, to the exclusion, if necessary, of the influence of all other people round about. Now, I don't think that the Lord is uh, saying from that that there ought to be a complete breakdown of relationship between the, uh, the man and his parents uh, or uh, between him and his wife's parents, that there should be, if everything is going according to God's plan, there should still be a harmonious relationship between the, the two separate family groups that the husband and the wife came from, but the uh, predominant point that has been brought out here is that this young couple have to make a fresh start. They have to, uh, uh, to become established in their relationship between each other so that when their children come along, well, there's a good foundation for this, uh, this new family group that is going to emerge. Now, if we go to the New Testament of Matthew chapter 19... Matthew chapter 19 and we read here in verse 3 and the Pharisees also came unto him, that's to Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now here we see a shocking uh, suggestion being put forward and that is that uh, this wonderful loving relationship that God established in the first place that people should even consider that such a relationship could be broken. And so they come to Jesus and they said, well, what do you think? Uh, do you consider it's, it's, it's okay for a man to, uh, to put away his wife, to divorce her? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain, or they too, shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And so the Lord says that this is the way I wanted it to be. I wanted these people, as Adam and Eve, and others like them, who have known the, of the ways of God, to be able to, to maintain this relationship so, and you can see the wisdom of it and of course unfortunately these days we all know of people perhaps it's affected us personally or we know of uh, people in our street and children that we've been to school with and our own friends that we've grown up with where their marriages have not remained harmonious troubles have come and uh, the, uh, the marriage bond has been broken 
And uh, they've gone their separate ways. And uh, this uh, wonderful opportunity that was given when they were young and they really cared for each other, has uh, something's gone wrong and this uh, loving relationship doesn't exist anymore. And of course the problem is then that the children are inevitably affected by it in some way or another and of course the, the, the parents themselves are also affected by it and uh, have to uh, uh, in some way uh, bear some sort of hurt for the rest of their lives. It may heal over in, uh, in large degree but there is, uh, there's always some problems associated with it. The problems of the parents being torn uh, about, uh, uh, over their children, the children torn over their parents and uh, you know uh, what's uh, the relationship going to be between the parents uh, and their child's uh, uh, new step-parents and uh, the, 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 the problems of the custody of the children, the access to the children, we're being faced with it all the time in our community. If only we as a people had been able to rise to the standards that God said, if only we'd had the strength. Of course many of us before we came to the Lord had already run into difficulties but if only it could be this way. And we of course point out to the young people who are in our assembly who know the Lord, been filled with his spirit, that you have this opportunity and that by the grace of God as you continue in your love for each other and you keep your eyes upon the Lord, if you run into any difficulties, you can get them sorted out with the Lord's help. And uh, we, uh, we mentioned of the assistance of others too, of course, that maybe you don't have uh, a parent you can run to. You know, we, we read a scripture there where the Lord says that a man should leave his father and his mother and should cleave unto his wife. Now, there are times when parents can be helpful, even if their children are running into difficulties in their marriage. And uh, maybe the best way they can help is to keep out of it. But uh, there are times if the parents are wise enough and they can keep their own natural feelings out of the matter and instead of taking the side of their child against their daughter-in-law or their son-in-law, if they can look at it objectively and perhaps to see where their own offspring is maybe wrong and to talk to them wisely and lovingly and to point out to them where uh, they're, they're not doing things quite right and they can help to overcome the situation, well, some parents can indeed be helpful like that. But quite often, as I suggested, maybe the best thing is for them to keep out of it because they're too close to it emotionally. And, uh, and then other people can step in and help and uh, provided that they're wise and they tread carefully and they really know what they're about and provided that the young couple or the older couple for that matter who are in difficulty want some help and are prepared to listen to the advice that is given to them, all such uh, problems can be resolved. And with the Lord's help, Anyone who is spirit-filled and knows the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be helped. They've got to overcome it. You're a bad testimony if you don't. And uh, by the grace of God, we have many wonderful testimonies of people who have come to the Lord, have been wonderfully filled with His Spirit. Their marriages have been in all sorts of trouble. I won't ask anyone to be embarrassed by putting your hand up, although I'm sure many of you wouldn't be embarrassed to testify to the fact that your marriage was in a mess before you came to the Lord. I remember one particular Sunday morning going to visit uh, uh, a family who'd recently come to the Lord and they'd had some trouble and uh, brothers and sisters had heard about it and uh, I walked into the place and there were three uh, couples there and uh, they were talking about things 
and they're just giving their testimonies and they were saying it. Each one of them admitted that if they hadn't come to the Lord that their marriage would have been over. And uh, so praise the Lord. Uh, I was the only one that, uh, that wasn't in that position and of course uh, I didn't need to ever get to that position because we were both in the Lord before we were saved. And so if our marriage had got into trouble... <laughs> yes. I think I know what I said. What did I say? In the Lord before I was saved. In the Lord before I was married. Anyway. Well, she did rescue me anyway. Yes. Might have stayed at Mother Muckler if she hadn't come along. Yes. Anyway, praise the Lord. I was doing all right till you all woke up. <laughs> We'd better go on. And they shall say unto him, why did Moses then command to write, give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And so we could say that the same situation has arisen in our society today, that because of the hardness of people's hearts, because people are selfish, because they've gone their own willful way, well, uh, there's just had to be a breakdown of many of the marriages in our society today. But that was not God's plan for us. God didn't want us to have to go through the heartbreak of divorce. God didn't want us to have to go through the trauma of being wrenched away from our children. The Lord wanted the happy relationship that started off there to be maintained. But of course when it does happen, we're going to read here, I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now what that means is that, there are, that, that you can't just walk out of a marriage because you're not getting on with each other anymore because uh, then if your partner goes off and becomes involved with someone else, you have, you've really caused them to, uh, to break uh, the, uh, the physical aspect of the marriage contract. But of course if, uh, if people have already gone off, if uh, one partner has gone off and committed adultery, well the other person of course has the opportunity to divorce them and to remarry without any condemnation. But uh, the Lord doesn't want it that way. The whole point he's, uh, he's wanting to get across to us is not to talk about ways and means of being able to be divorced and to be remarried and all this. He wants us, when we, as people in the Lord, uh, get married, or if we are married when we come to the Lord, to, uh, uh, to make that, that marriage work and to be a testimony for him. And we go on further down here in verse 13, and this is uh, a logical uh, continuation of the conversation. In verse 13, And then were they brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Maybe this was a sort of an attitude that the children were being forgotten about when they were talking about marriage and divorce and, uh, you know, the legalistic terms behind it. You know, can I put her away for this reason or that? And, uh, and then the, the children were brought up and the, and the, the disciples said, Oh, go away, we're too busy talking about divorce and, uh, and, and remarriage and, uh, and, and rights and wrongs of uh, the matrimonial uh, situation and so on. We haven't got time to be bothered with you kids. And uh, so often that is the way that it is. But the Lord recognised that these were 
were complete little people and uh, sometimes we forget that. Oh, they're only kids, but they're people. It's a whole person. It might be a, a little person, but they uh, certainly can show us a thing or two from time to time. We need to show them a thing or two from time to time too, of course. But uh, hopefully we show them the right thing. And then said Jesus, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. And so the Lord uh, realised the value of children. He wanted to bless them. And, uh, and certainly he would want them to be blessed in all aspects of their life. He'd want them, you know, where children, uh, even in trying circumstances, many times have a natural sort of a, a, a happiness that is, uh, seems to bubble forth. And uh, they can forget so quickly of uh, some of the tragedies that are around about them and uh, they can be off uh, playing with their friends uh, even though uh, uh, the whole neighbourhood has been bombed out or something of this nature. And uh, uh, others, of course, carry it a bit deeper than that. But children have something to contribute. They have a, a major contribution to the family situation. And uh, this, they're part of the family. And this is where so many parents go wrong. They forget that the children are a part of the family, that they belong there, that the parents have brought those children into the world and, uh, and uh, the, the children have just as many rights as the parents do. And uh, so uh, they haven't got any more rights than the parents. They haven't got any less either. They are total people within their own right and so uh, they uh, deserve the blessing of the Lord too. Now a few other things I'd like to comment about. Now <coughs> this family relationship that we're talking about, well uh, there are things that enhance this family relationship and of course the Lord intended it to be in an atmosphere of love. Now uh, a lot of people, maybe a lot of churches talk a lot about love and don't always understand the full implications of it. But uh, there are other people who, uh, who talk about it and they haven't got any clue at all as to what love means. They get it mixed up with lust. And, uh, you know, the, the general concept is uh, there's so many things in the magazines and in the films and so on that talk of the love between a man and a woman. And uh, they're not talking about love in the true Bible sense at all. They're talking about lust. They, uh, a woman says, oh, I don't love my husband anymore. Or the husband says, I don't love my wife anymore. They've already uh, been together and had several children. And they uh, decide, one or the other or both decides that they don't love each other anymore. Well, uh, what it means is that they have tired of their physical attraction towards this, uh, this other person and they're too lazy to work to revive this affection that, uh, uh, that should be there. It used to be there. There was a spark of, uh, of love and affection between them and they've got to, get to, they've got to restore this again. And uh, the, with the Lord's help it can be restored. I know this not only because the Lord says so in the Scriptures because, but also because I know many people who uh, had difficulties in their marriage, but with the Lord's help, and it has been worked out. And so the marriage is enhanced in an atmosphere of love. And uh, we're not going to go through all the, uh, the scriptures relating to love here tonight, but it's, uh, it's, it's not a sissy term. It's, uh, it's a very godly term. God is love. And uh, if we haven't got love in our marriage relationship, well, we've got no marriage. There's uh, another word I'd like to use in talking of enhancing a, a marriage relationship. It's understanding. 
that uh, a husband and wife have to uh, learn to understand each other and to appreciate each other. And it goes further than that. That every person in that family unit has got to work towards this. They all have a contribution to make. So often we get mum over here and dad over there. This is my money and that's his money. This is, uh, uh, this is my responsibilities. That's his responsibilities. Instead of saying uh, we're working together, we're one. This is our uh, assets. This is our responsibilities. We're working together in this thing. And of course uh, the children too. So often we get, uh, we get uh, maybe the parents over there and the kids over here. Or maybe one parent over there and, uh, and some of the kids and the other parent over here and some of the kids there and, uh, and, and the flying saucers going in between. And uh, all these sort of tragic circumstances that, uh, uh, that develop and uh, when they should be working together to, to love each other and to understand each other. And it's a life study when you uh, take a, a woman to be your wife or uh, a man to be your husband. You promise that you're going to be together for the rest of your life. And, uh, and, and it's a life study. And you might think that you understand that person when you marry them. But they change and you change. And so you've constantly got to be uh, reassessing the situation understanding each other, appreciating each other and growing together in your understanding as you go along. The word communication is often bandied about these days. So many marriages run into problems and when I talk I want to include the whole situation, not just the marriage, not just the parents, but the children included in it. And maybe there's even a larger family that can be involved too, you know, with uh, uh, uncles and aunts and grandparents, as long as they are uh, contributing, everyone's got to contribute. And uh, uh, this can help. Children uh, uh, need to grow up in this healthy sort of a situation where they can know that they haven't just got mum and dad. They don't need to feel insecure. What happens if, uh, if mum and dad get sick? What happens if one of them dies? And uh, it's good for the children perhaps to feel secure that even if something tragic happened to one of their parents, that they've got perhaps a natural uncle and aunt, or many of them that, can, uh, that, that really love them too, and, and would care for them if something happened to the parents. Or maybe there can be uh, uh, others, friends of the parents that can step in, and many of us have known people who had no blood relation at all, and yet we were brought up to call them uncle and auntie. And, uh, and maybe it's a good thing, I believe it is. That, uh, that the children feel that there are more than just their parents that they can turn to because sometimes there are times when the children perhaps get to growing up a little bit and they feel their parents don't understand them but maybe they can go to one of these real uncle or aunts or adopted uncle or aunts and they can go and talk to them and if they're wise people they can uh, help them to understand uh, that their parents uh, do really care for them and uh, can be uh, able to ne negotiate in the situation and perhaps bring them uh, uh, back together. And so uh, communication is important. And another point I want to emphasise is to have our priorities right. And uh, I'd better get down to, uh, to this. Matthew chapter 6. <coughs> Matthew 6 and verse 31. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ taught us is to have our priorities right. We read here verse 31, Therefore take no thought, or well, that simply means not to worry, 
Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles or the unsaved seek for your heavenly Father, knoweth that ye have need of all these things. The Lord has, uh, uh, has his priorities right. He knows what is best for us and he wants us to help to get our priorities right. He knows that we need food and shelter. He knows that we need clothing and we need the, uh, things to drink. He knows that we need all these basic necessities for our natural well-being. But he knows we need something even more than that. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In getting our priorities right, you know, usually it's not a matter of getting your priorities right further down the line. It's not so matter as, uh, as to whether you're making a drastic mistake as to whether you've got number five and six back to front. It's a matter as to whether or not that you've got number one in its right place. And, uh, it, and it really uh, it works out this way. And this is what the Lord is teaching to us, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the rest will fall into place. And this is, of course, the principle we want to get across that maybe some of the things I've said here tonight might just sound in general terms that could be applied to anybody as to whether they know the Lord Jesus Christ or not. Well, they can't because we've already seen that people can't apply it. They can't apply what the Lord gave to us in the beginning because they don't have the strength of God. They don't have the love of God. They don't have the faith of God to be able to see through any critical situations and, uh, of course, what we need is to get the Lord first in our life. We need to come to him. We need to be born again of his spirit. We need to uh, see that he is number one priority in our life and all else will then fall into place. If he is number one priority, it's got to help each individual member of that family. Now, uh, we're not going to have time to look at a lot of these things, but over later in Matthew's Gospel, we see where Jesus said there would be divisions between families and that might sound like a contradiction but the problem is that the vision is there when some members of the family want to follow the Lord and others don't and as a result of this we find that the family unit is sometimes broken up yes it's sometimes broken up by the gospel but uh, the individuals who come to know the Lord Jesus Christ are then able to find themselves involved in a far greater and a far more important family, yes, they become a part of a spiritual family. It's the great family of God, and we sing that chorus, I love this family of God. We just praise the Lord that God is adopting people, and he's bringing them out of all different walks of life. And all the things, maybe, that many of us lacked in the natural affection, we didn't get on with our parents, or we didn't get on with our children, we didn't get on with our spouse, we didn't get on with our in-laws, and the outlaws, maybe some people think they're one and the same, and uh, because the relationship has been so strained. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, this is all replaced to us. And I've got loads of scriptures here, and I'm not going to get through uh, hardly any of them. But just uh, perhaps to a sample, to, to look at one or two where Jesus spoke of the difference, we look at one or two things about his family, his natural family. Luke chapter 8, well, we read here in verse... Uh, Verse 19. Luke chapter 8 and verse 19. And then came to him his mother and his brethren and could not come at him for the press. There was too many people around. 
And it was told him by a certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. He said, Your mother and your brothers, they're out there. They want to talk to you. And of course the, the natural thing that we would expect is he would say, oh, all right, that's uh, important. I've got to leave what else I'm doing. I've got to go and talk to my mum and, uh, and, uh, and, and my little brothers out there. And he answered and said unto them, quite a surprising statement. He said, my mother and my brethren are those which hear the word of God and do it. So he said, what are you talking about? He wasn't denying that that was his natural mother. He wasn't denying that they were his natural brothers. He, uh, they were in fact half-brothers because uh, he was uh, conceived of the Holy Ghost. And uh, these other brothers there were, were Joseph's children. And, uh, but they were all Mary's children. And uh, so they had the same mother. And, uh, and he, uh, he said... But my mother, and he's talking in the spiritual sense, my immediate family, the ones that are most dear to my heart, are those that hear the word of God and do it. And so, praise the Lord, if you have heard the word of God and you're doing what it tells you to do, you are of the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not have... uh, Some of the things I've spoken of here tonight might be completely foreign to you. You might know what it is to have a mother or a father that really cares about you. You might know what it is to have a brother or a sister that is anything but somebody that you argue and fight with from the time that you got out of the cradle. You mightn't even have such people. You might have been orphaned at an early age. You mightn't even have found anybody or much else in this world that has cared about you very much. But you can become a part of God's family. You can become a brother or a sister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be adopted into this great and wonderful family by hearing the word of God and doing it. And so this is the spiritual family. And this is the other point I want to get on to is the fact that the Lord will adopt and he will replace the people that you have missed out on. Even if you leave behind good people in the world by worldly standards. And some of us have done that. We have uh, had good parents and we've had uh, good living brothers and sisters. But we have come to the Lord and they haven't. And so there's been some sort of a spiritual division there. We've never been able to quite relate to them again. The only time that we get talking about the Lord, there seems to be a disagreement. But we've found replacements for them. Or the Lord has found the replacements. And I'll turn to that. There's one scripture I do want to turn to. And that's in... uh, Where is it? Um... Yes, Mark chapter 10. Mark's Gospel of chapter 10. (coughs) Mark 10 verse 28. And then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the Gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. What did he mean by that? Well, I believe him. I know what he means by that because uh, there are so many people now that are my my brethren in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and we're part of a great uh, spiritual family. 
And uh, I might have left my mother and father behind when I came to the Lord. There may have been a, a, a rift there. But uh, there are plenty of other people that, uh, that have replaced that. I was only quite young when I came to the Lord, but immediately I came to the Lord. Uh, there were, there were uh, perhaps uh, uh, older folks who, uh, who showed uh, some affection and some understanding and there were people that I could go to and talk to them about my problems in the way that I would have been able to talk to my parents before, but of course they didn't understand anymore. I'd gone all religious and a bit soft in the head. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and yet these people were able to replace my parents. And I was, uh, they were able to help me and advise me about spiritual matters and other matters too. Uh, they, they're older and wiser in the ways of this world and able to give me advice there and uh, brothers and sisters, many more uh, replaced than those uh, which we lose. And so in a sense, we have now come to the Lord, we've been adopted into his family and we have adopted mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and we, uh, in a sense, adopt children too. And we're able to see, uh, maybe some of us uh, are gone on a little bit in years and we see young people coming to the Lord and it's a great opportunity. We can befriend those people. We can help them, yes. But in the very act of helping them, we're helping ourselves because we're giving out of our love. We're giving out of our time and we're taking these people in and we're inviting them around to a real home which perhaps some of them have never known before. And, uh, and we are gaining children. Oh, we may have only got them on loan for a night or two here and there. That's perhaps an advantage you can give them back when they play up. Uh, tell me that's one the advantage of being a grandparent because when the kids start squawking, you can give it back to mum and dad. But uh, maybe we'll find out one day. But uh, maybe the, the Lord better come back quick. Yes. <laughs> yes, anyway, praise the Lord. We're going to have another look at another scripture. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. We read here in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. See, we've been born again now when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and our responsibilities are to the family of God. Oh yes, we may have natural responsibilities to fulfil too. And just because we've come to the Lord and our parents haven't, that doesn't mean that you scrub them off and say, blow you, you can get someone else to mow your lawn now. And uh, I'm not going to fix up your motor car and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I won't take you shopping anymore because I'm saved and you're not. No, the Lord doesn't mean that at all. In fact, we should uh, be even more helpful than we were before. For some of us that wouldn't be very hard. And, uh, and so we should help them. But our responsibilities are to the church of God. And sometimes our parents in the, in the natural are unreasonable in their demands. Sometimes they expect to, to own their children. They expect that even when their children are 40 years of age that they've still got to come and, uh, and ask their parents whether they can do this or that. They haven't given their children a chance to grow up and uh, to make their own independent stand and so on. But our responsibilities are to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so we go on to read, For if you, live, shall, if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Praise the Lord, adopted into God's family now. Because we're filled with his spirit and walking on that way. And if you haven't become a part of God's family, you can become a part of it right here tonight. God wants to sign the adoption papers here tonight. He wants to reach down and to take you and to embrace you and to, and to let you know that he really cares about you and he wants you to be one of his. He wants to take you out of whatever your troubles are and he wants to translate you into the kingdom of God. But all you have to do is to be, as Jesus said, one who hears the word of God and does it. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Father, Father. And so the Holy Spirit adopts us into God's family, born again, new creatures in his sight. Now we belong to the Lord. And the wonderful thing about it is that we can just grow more and more like him. It's more than a, a natural adoption because when people are adopted into, uh, uh, into a natural family they still retain the physical characteristics and perhaps other uh, emotional characteristics that they have inherited from their natural parents. And the environment uh, certainly uh, shapes and moulds their character uh, more the way that their uh, adopted parents would have them to be. But when you become adopted into God's family, it's not just a superficial outward thing that is influenced purely by an environmental change. There is an inward change as well. And we start to take on the nature of our new heavenly father. And he grows from within us. And uh, our spiritual genes and chromosomes respond to the spirit of God working inside of us and we become and we grow more and more like him, both by the inward influence and the outward environmental influence of being surrounded by God's other children in the assembly to which we belong. And the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and we're reminded of it as we grow day by day. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so we belong to him, and all that he owns, we have a, a right and inheritance in. We're able to partake of all the riches of the kingdom of heaven. We're able to receive of his gifts, the gifts of wisdom and knowledge and faith and prophecy and miracles and healings. We're able to receive of the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit as well, love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. But of course there is uh, this proviso, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You might remember back there in Mark's Gospel where he read, we get all these advantages, all these brothers and sisters, but we get persecutions. That's just part of the deal. Because the people out there in the world, uh, they don't like the family of God. Mainly they don't like them because they don't understand them. There's so much problems in this world through ignorance. One of the most uh, uh, profound uh, areas of ignorance in this world is that the people of this world do not understand the people of God. That's why they throw stones at you and pull faces at you and say nasty things about you. These are part of the persecutions of this world. But uh, there's a little bit of suffering associated with it. But compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us, it is just uh, nothing that we have to put up with. And so, uh, praise the Lord, uh, there we have uh, these wonderful things. Um, I'd like to turn, uh, must finish soon, but in John 19, I'd just like to establish this principle of uh, how that the Lord himself 
spoke of adopting uh, a replacement. And when Jesus was about to die on the cross of Calvary, well, uh, he uh, made provision. Even though he had, uh, uh, he had sort of uh, brushed his mother off and his brothers on several occasions, he was trying to teach them to get their priorities right. He didn't want them coming around saying, oh, that's my brother, isn't he marvellous? Or mum saying, isn't my little boy clever? He didn't want this sort of approach. And so he brushed her off and, uh, and he made them to realise that other people who were not blood relatives had more clue than they did on spiritual matters. But in time, uh, some of them caught up. And here we see uh, in uh, John 19 that for all his spiritual uh, uh, attributes and emphasis upon these things, the Lord was looking also at the material and, uh, and the physical uh, obligations that he had. In John 19, verse 25, Now they stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by him he loved, obviously talking of John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. The Catholic Church tries to make something out of this and make it sound as if, uh, uh, as if he was uh, sort of uh, uh, becoming, she was becoming the mother of God or something like this. It was just so totally out of context what was being said here. And so uh, he said, Woman, behold thy son. And then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And of course, even though the Catholic Church hasn't understood what was meant, John knew what it meant. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. And so, uh, in a sense, he, uh, he adopted a mother. And she adopted a son. And this is the sort of thing that happens amongst the Lord's people that maybe one that is taken from us, even a brother or sister in the Lord that uh, is taken from us or maybe has moved to another state and uh, this sort of thing. Or maybe somebody that we knew very well has even backslidden away from the Lord and we perhaps feel a little heavy about it. But the Lord has plenty of replacements and he says, Woman, behold your son and son, behold your mother. And we're able to see that we're able to step in and we're able to foster one another. We're able to adopt one another, even if it's only for a time, to assist each other and to, uh, uh, to overcome uh, the, uh, the emotional uh, uh, distress that may be there. And uh, with any of this giving and taking that, uh, that any of us do, there's got to be blessing in it because this is sharing, this is love. This is communicating. Communications are more than just lots of words. You know, uh, some people communicate too much. There's a, a lot of words floating around, but there's not a lot of understanding about it. They're both communicating flat out at once. But communications have to have a receiver as well as a transmitter. And, uh, and of course, that, uh, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't work. And so we see a few of these uh, principles here. But the important thing is, if I can just try to sum up, is that we've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We've got to be born again into God's family. And then all these things that we need, the, uh, uh, the emotional support, the physical the presence of a, of a companion. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we don't need to think that we've, we've all need to find a, a partner in marriage. We can find that, that there is somebody else there who can, uh, can assist us at times uh, and to encourage us along the way. And, uh, you know, the, the natural course of events is that uh, even if you find someone that you will marry 
and be very happy with them. That if the Lord tarries, the time will come when one will be separated from the other and, uh, uh, and uh, there may be some years left even there where one will be left on their own. But the Lord will supply the needs. One way or another, for some, they may even have the opportunity to marry again. But for others, they will just uh, live with their memories. But they will also live with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is no man's debtor. He will always make it up to people. If you lose your mother or your father or your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife or even one of your children, the Lord will make it up to you. Maybe someone else to come will come in to fill that gap. But if that is not in the Lord's plan, he will fill that gap. Praise the Lord. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Nobody can take him away from us. They might even come a time, as it happened with the early Christian church, where some of us might even be thrown into prison. And, uh, and most of us couldn't bear to think of that now, to be separated from our loved ones. But if this happens, the Lord would not let us down. He would be there. He would supply the need. They can't shut him outside. And he would come in through the prison walls. He would be there. And we could learn to look to him in a way that none of us really do at this time because uh, we don't need to. And maybe we couldn't find that close intimacy with him right here and now because others are helping to supply that need. But the Lord will never let anyone down. If we look to him, he will look to us and he will bring us through. And so get your priorities right. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can repent. You can be baptised in water. You can become a part of the family of God tonight. He will seal you with the spirit of adoption. You become part of his family. And when this happens, you're going to live forever. And all the people say, Amen. Amen.